Welcome to What She Said. My name is Candace Sampson, and when I first took over What She Said in January 2020, I jokingly asked in the intro, what could possibly go wrong? And then 2020 said, let me show you. My life has been a country song ever since, but then again, so is everyone else's right now. Thankfully, through this podcast, I get to meet the most amazing women in Canada and around the globe and share their stories with you. What She Said is here to talk about anything and everything under the sun as interpreted by and through the perspective of women. Because honestly, we've heard what he said for long enough. If you like what you hear, be sure to hit subscribe and share this podcast with a friend. Today's show is coming right up. How often do you think about your privacy? Do you think about it every time you log into Facebook, post an Instagram picture, send an email? Do you regularly ask Google or Siri to help you with a task? Do you even worry about data breaches or have you just resigned yourself to accept that there is no such thing as privacy anymore? Personally, I know I was at that point and I emphasize was. Because in this next podcast, I speak with Kat Kood, who is on a mission to help safeguard our data and protect our digital identities. Backed by two decades of experience in mobile development and software architecture, as well as certification in data privacy law, Kat helps individuals and corporations better understand cybersecurity and data privacy. She also thinks you may want to reconsider TikTok. Hi, Kat. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So I guess the first question is, you know, how on a scale of one to 10, how scared should we be about our privacy? Oh, it's the million dollar question. So (laughs) I want to say 10, but I also don't want to scare people. Um, Your privacy is your responsibility. and, And that's what people really need to understand in this day and age. So We can't rely on systems and services and especially social media to put our interests first. They have their interests first. And uh, yeah, so we should be scared enough to care, scared enough to care. So let's go with that. (laughs) Okay. Well, I think the big one, I think certainly on my mind that I, you know, I keep hearing about uh, reading about is Clearview AI. Do you have thoughts on this one? Because that seems really big brotherish to me, this whole facial recognition there are uh, actually there are a number of technologies which I always find interesting that the news kind of they have it and then they kind of hide it. So the ability to recognize faces has been around for a very long time. And the rumor is, especially with Canadian passports where we're not supposed to smile, is the reason is is because for facial recognition technology, it is much easier to map an unsmiling face, old facial recognition te- technology. So on your passport photo. Uh, if you are, if you're smiling in the photo and you're typically not smiling, waiting in line at an airport, <laughs> then they can't correlate the two faces. Uh, but the technology has actually come a long way. So that technology has been available for many, many years. Uh, we're just kind of hearing it in the mainstream right now. And uh, there was a gentleman, I'm going to say four years back in Russia, that was going on to subways and using the same kind of technology to take images of people on the subway and match them to the equivalent of Facebook in Russia is called VK. And so he would match them to their VK profiles just using imagery he'd found of them on the subway. So again, we've had the technology for a long time. It's just, are we using it for good or are we using it to invade people's privacy? 
Okay, so I'm saying along on that, you know, the, the facial recognition thing for a second. I saw an app the other day that came up, you know, just an ad advertisement while I was playing Candy Crush. <laughs> it was just an ad uh, for a, an app that ages your face. Yes. And I thought, that feels creepy because are they keeping that? I'm assuming the app maker is probably keeping that face and should we be concerned about that for down the road? Do you have any thoughts around that? So whether or not they're keeping the aged face isn't the issue. The issue was that it was, it was a free app that wasn't regulated and people were submitting their photos to the app. And in submitting those photos, additional to profile photos and other information you can get from places like Facebook, they were building a portfolio of different angles of your face and, and that allows them to improve their software and keep a database of your pictures. Okay. So it wasn't really the aged face. It was more just the fact that you were submitting pictures. There's arguments that people are using um, the throwback Thursdays and the fact that people used to say, hey, post a picture of yourself in high school or post a picture. Like all those challenges are started by companies that want to have um, a comparison between old photos and new photos so that they can use AI to better map how faces change over time. Okay, so basically don't, don't participate in those challenges. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> don't participate in those challenges. So what do you think then is the number one, um, what should be our biggest concern right now in terms of our privacy? Is it Facebook? Is it TikTok? Uh, which one has the most alarm bells for you? So the app that is the most concerning right now is TikTok. So what people don't realize is there are numerous regulations, including really good ones for kids in North America. So North America has a regulation called COPPA, which is the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, and that protects children under 13. So when all of these social media say 13 and up, it's not because they have the best interest of kids in mind and they want to keep them off social media. It's because they're not allowed to make money off those kids under 13. And okay. so they can't have them on the site. Uh, between 13 and 18 years old, you're allowed to pull data on kids, but you can't assign names to it. It all has to be anonymous. And then over 18, it's adults. So you can show ads to those people and you can pull ads to those from, or you can pull information from those people. So that's for, from the perspective of protecting kids. Uh, but beyond that, we have other regulations in Canada and in the U.S. that protect uh, people against what privacy they have, what data can be taken, can you take a location and without permission and all this stuff. So backing up, we had Musical.ly which was an app where you could record videos, right? That was a North American app fell under all these privacy regulations. And then TikTok bought it and people seamlessly over, transitioned over to TikTok. TikTok is a Chinese app. And at risk of all these people are like, oh, you're just making a stereotype about Chinese technology. Um, there are no regulations there and their apps are very much based on collecting technology. So they are collecting your location, they are using your images, they are analyzing those images, they are, they are looking at your connections. Uh, so it's especially risky for kids, but I always say like, if you are willing to put a pin on your lapel and walk around all day and have your location, your image, your voice transferred back to China all day long for analysis, that's TikTok. You've got it running on your device, it is collecting reams of information in addition to, again, the ability to turn on your microphone or pull your videos and all your connections. Okay, so wait a minute. So when TikTok, just the app is sitting on my phone and I don't have it opened, it's still pulling all that information? Still pulling the information. 
Okay. So I recently saw something that uh, happened with Apple. Um, I don't know if you heard about this. I'm going to suspect you did because you are the privacy expert uh, that they found a uh, something that TikTok was doing with the new iOS update. And I believe it was taking your copy and paste. Yeah. So and when there's bugs in the operating system, the apps that are not for your benefit that are looking to do things that are potentially illegal, then they leverage those things. So that's just one example of something where if they can leverage something out of the operating system that they will. Uh, but again, they've been doing it. There's a numerous articles actually right now that are great. If you just type in like TikTok spying, TikTok spyware, um, there is an engineer who it's called reverse engineering. And he went backwards to try and figure out what data was being taken and how it was being taken. And that's where he produced all of these logs that said, here's my location data being taken at all of these times, all the time. So people don't really want an app to know where they are 24 seven. No. Well, I, I, you know, I say that I don't, but you know, I think about my kids yeah. and you know, they are all tracking each other uh, on Snapchat, you know, and they can put location on to see so-and-so's at somebody's house or, you know, and that to me is crazy. And I don't know how to get through to them that this is not, not aside from it being, um, you know, creating arguments and fights and tension with people when you're, you know, you see your friend somewhere that shouldn't be, or you didn't think they should be. It's also yeah. such so intrusive. Yeah. And I, a lot of kids especially have the attitude is I have nothing to hide. I have nothing to hide. I don't care if my friends know where I am. I don't care. But it's not, it's not your friends. It's Snapchat. Snapchat is recording where you are at all times as well. And um, one of the stories I always like to tell about Snapchat that creeps people out is we have to, we have to have photos looked at. There's curators, they're called content curators. It's the same thing with YouTube. If they are looking to make sure no one's being harmed or injured, um, unfortunately they're even looking for animal abuse. So they have these curators will look through digital media on all of these apps to make sure that they're protecting the people who are on it. So if you're sending a snap, there is a random person somewhere in the world looking at your snaps to ensure that the person in those pictures isn't being harmed. It's great for society, but often when kids are like, oh, so some randos in California is looking at my images, maybe I shouldn't have sent that image. So they, they have no qualms about sending a nude image to a boyfriend or girlfriend. <laughs> the, the fact that some weird person might be looking at it kind of creeps them out. So I, I like to kind of present it that way, <laughs> that random people are looking at this data. So it's not about, I don't care what my friends think, it's about other people are looking at it. Right. So... Let's talk about Facebook because that's the big one. I mean, if I looked at a, a graph the other day and Facebook is still by far the most used social media site in the world. And I have all of my stuff on there. I long ago let go of the pretense, you know, that I had any privacy there. Like I just assume that anything I'm posting is, you know, for public consumption, even though I might have it on some sort of lockdown. Um, how should we, you know, should, how concerned should we be about Facebook? Can, is it possible to unring the bell when it comes to that? So the analogy I like to give about Facebook is like if, it's like walking into your like 20 year high school reunion and having your skirt tucked in the back of your pants. So you're there, people have seen it, damage is done. Um, so you can untuck your skirt and then just go screw it because it's already been done. <laughs> I'm just gonna <laughs> hang out at the party anyway. Um, or you can say, you know what, I, I 
shown too much and now I'm going to leave and no one will ever know anything else about me again. The problem is, again, the damage is done. So when Cambridge Analytica happened and everyone was jumping ship, and I'm like, if you use Facebook to legitimately connect with people that you care about and you want to be on there to do things, then you've already shared most of your personal information on there. You may as well stay for the value of the service. But I am acutely aware, every I, I don't put my kids' names, ages, I, I don't even like their school page on Facebook. I don't want any connection to anything on there uh, for me about my children or where I live. Um, so that's always tricky. I mean, I have city things, but you know, every time you join a public group, that information actually becomes public. And so just being wary of that. Uh, I've seen a lot of pages for like illnesses that are rare illnesses. So if you're on a support for parents of kids with like illness X, well then now you've given away personal information about your child by joining the support group. So just be wary of saying, okay, you know what, I'm going to join these things that make sense to me. But if I know if I click on that link, that's going public. I know if I like that post, it's going public. I know if I write something out, like exactly what you said, just consider everything else potentially public and permanent. So who should we be, con be concerned about then that is pulling information from Facebook? Is it people looking to, uh, you know, take money out of your bank account? Is what, what is the sort of the number one reason for people to be mining your information? So it, Facebook itself is not doing anything illegal with your information, like looking for identity theft. But as you mentioned, there'll be apps on Facebook or shared links on Facebook with the, you know, especially the quizzes, which of the seven dwarves am I? Um, <laughs> anytime you do that, uh, the other thing with Facebook is the there's shared radio station things all the time. Like, hey, let's have fun while everyone's in a pandemic moment and say the name of your first car and what year it was. Well, now you've given away your approximate age. And, um, and so all of that kind of stuff on public pages, those people could be using your information for identity theft. The actual information by, shared by Facebook is, is for the purposes of manipulating people, which was Cambridge Analytica. It's... Um, I'm, I'm going to say your audience is savvy enough not to fall for this, but, but there are a lot of people like, I love my mom, but my mom is the view and people magazine, and that is her only source of news. And so she would be particularly susceptible if someone manipulated the articles to only tell her Trump is good and Hillary Clinton is bad. And here's why then she'd start to consume that media and be like, maybe I'm wrong. And, and, you know, on this issue. So those people who, who are a little more susceptible to being manipulated, they're the ones who are being shown very specific posts for those reasons. Okay, so I don't know where we go from here in terms of privacy, but if, if you ran the world and you could, you know, fix this, what would you do? Would you, would you prefer to see a world where this just didn't exist? Or do you think that we can fix these privacy issues um, for people? I think we can fix them because there are apps that do them well. The problem is the reason why you and I are on Facebook is because that's where the people are that we want to talk to, right? So you would have to create a new app that was privacy aware, and then you'd have to get the momentum to put all the people you actually care about on that app. And that's why this has been so difficult from a social media perspective. Um, from a privacy perspective, it's, I'd almost rather pay for things than have my information used. So it, it depends on what people are doing with it. That said, you know, I go, I have PC points. So every time I go to the grocery store, it knows what I bought and when I buy it and how frequently. Um, 
it's an exchange for money. I've saved a lot of money in those points, right? But it, they also use it for shoppers. So uh, my dog has cancer and her, she's had it for five years and it's based on histamine. So that dog takes four Benadryls a day every day for the last five years. So if somebody went through my shopper's drug murder history, they would be sitting there going, do you have a methamphetamine lab? What's going on in your house? Why do you buy so much Benadryl? Um, so the issue with the data is the bias and the algorithms that make decisions based on that data. So is someone going to knock on my door one day that I purchased too much Benadryl? Or if I bought all my junk food from like Loblaws or Zares and then I bought my healthy food from the farmer's market, and then someone decided to go with PC Insurance, and I, I went to work for them. Is PC Insurance going to go, you only buy junk food? Not ask me, right? They're going to use the data and say, well, I don't see any healthy food purchases here, so we're going to lower your insurance premium based on that information. So that's, I think, what people really, really need to understand is the data you are providing is used to make decisions about how services are going to help you and, and how people might serve you, and those, they may be biased. Right. So, you know, I, it's interesting because I remember, uh, well, it was Life Labs that was hacked. Uh, yeah. I guess, I don't know if that was this year. Who knows? 2020 is just a blur, but <laughs> I can't remember. But Life Labs was hacked recently. And I remember thinking, you know, because I've, I've had my blood taking my blood work done there. And I remember thinking, so what? Somebody's got right. my access to like, they can see what my thyroid's at again. Like, who cares to me? Right. But I'm, I'm sure that I, I'm wrong feeling that. I probably should be a little more concerned. Um, so when something like that data from, you know, a credit card company or from, you know, a, a health thing where they have all this data and it gets hacked, what are the risks that we're looking at with that kind of stuff? So, okay, so then you just kind of hit the nail on the head. It depends on the value of the data, right? So if you had blood work done and your blood is perfect, then maybe that's not a big deal. Could someone use that? I don't know. Um, certainly financial data is a risk because someone could have access to your credit. There is a massive risk right now for children who do not have credit cards, which is most kids under 18. So a um, great example was my daughter had had an x-ray at Life Labs. And so I called them to get the, um, there was an insurance that they were offering where they would look for your data, but they didn't cover people under 18. And I'm like, but that's what I want covered. Because if somebody took her birth date and her full name and her address, they could apply for potentially a credit card or some kind of credit in her name. And then we wouldn't know about it until she was old enough to apply for a credit card. And then all of a sudden they say, oh, you can't have one because your credit score is crappy because you owe $10,000 from years ago when this credit card was made in your name. So that's unfortunately a popular scam in Canada where kids' information is being used uh, in order to create, apply for credit, essentially. And then by the time the kid needs it again, the credit is damaged. So is there, there a are way to risks. Look, is there a way to look to see if you're... If, you, if this has happened to your child? Like I, I, the, you could pay to have a credit report run on your kid. Um, I don't know if that's based on, on like a SIN. Like I don't have a social insurance number for them, but someone else could have applied for it. Like there's a lot of fishy stuff someone could do with information. Uh, they could illegally sell your identification to pull people into the country that don't belong here. Like there's all sorts of things. Will it come back and bite you? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's being used and it doesn't matter and... So it's, we don't know, I think, is the real thing. It's like if you left your credit card on a bench and realized you, it'd fallen out of your pocket at a park, I mean, worst case scenario, someone spent a lot of money on it, and best case scenario, they have it at home and they'll call you later. Like, it's hard to say how bad the damage could be, but it, it, 
people are able to do a lot with a little bit of information, especially birth dates and names and addresses. Right. Okay. So, I mean, what advice would you give people then when it comes to protecting their privacy? And I know that you probably would give lots and lots of advice, uh, depending on the app and the service and so on and so forth. But do you have sort of, you know, maybe some top things that you should say to people every single time? Yeah. So um, I always say like, if you're not paying for the product, you are the product, right? So if you don't pay for Facebook, you are the product. Uh, ask yourself whether the service is worth it. For every service you join, you are trading money or information. And you know, you wouldn't buy a $50 a month music app when you could get a $3 a month music app. So same thing. Like if, if you're going to download an app and it wants your location and it's like Sudoku, you're like, ah, it doesn't need my location. Um, then don't use that app. Use a different app. Maybe it is worth paying $2.99 a month to have that app rather than trading your location and access to your contacts for the use of that app. So really put a value on your data and say, is the trading of my data worth what I'm getting out of this service? And again, if the answer is no, delete the service. TikTok is super fun. First to acknowledge that. Super, super fun. But is the amount of tracking that's happening worth you having the ability to share these little dances with people, that's up to you, right? Um, so, so that's the big one is really appreciating the value of what you do. And then um, we've already said is everything online should be considered um, potentially public and always permanent. And right. the number of times I've seen profile photos, because I used to have my kids in all sorts of stuff, and I pulled those profile photos from Google, from Facebook, and sometimes they just resurface out of nowhere. I, like, so if I had, I had my daughter in my profile photo, honestly, eight, nine years ago. And uh, if the last time someone contacted me through Gmail was then, now they email me and that photo still comes up because it's what's stored in their machine, right? So, so keeping wow. that in mind, that our stuff ends up on other people's devices, other people's machines, and in backup servers, there is no transient anything. It's all permanent online. So let's talk. So we'll move away from apps a little bit and services like that online, and and talk about you know um, the you know the smartphone that we all have. Should should we be concerned about what they're tracking? Because you know Huawei right now is a huge one um, that you know I keep hearing a lot about. I don't know. Is there anything to it? Um, what are your thoughts? So there are. Um, interestingly enough, India as an entire country has banned Huawei and all Chinese apps. So like TikTok and WeChat are banned in India now. They're gone. I had um, no idea. Mm -hmm. and, and the U.S. is moving to ban Huawei. So um, our, our devices are definitely tracking us. I would I always recommend at some point when you're waiting, because there's always a waiting time, instead of playing game on your app, go into your privacy settings and go through everything that's in there. You will be shocked at the number of apps you have or services where you're giving away location or you've got microphone turned on. Um, number of people will be like, oh, I was thinking of going to Newfoundland and now I'm getting ads for Newfoundland and that's really weird. Uh, yeah, because your microphone's on. And so whatever app has access to your mic is also listening to you talk and looking for keywords and trying to give you advertising. I, there are times I really appreciate that because if I really wanted to go to Newfoundland, I'd rather see a sale on a flight to Newfoundland than I would for baby diapers for babies I don't have, right? Like this targeting advertising has its pluses. I have an Apple phone. I swear I've turned off location everywhere that's possible. Um, but I walked into a Lululemon, didn't buy anything, just walked in walked out and then I started getting all sorts of ads for Lulu 
and I'm like, had not been on the website recently. It knew I was in the store. It knew I was there. So there's like, that's just one of many examples. And I'm acutely aware because I know I have it turned off, but if you had all your stuff turned on, you'd probably always be getting these kinds of ads. So, um, yeah, so the device is definitely listening and tracking and, and definitely recommend going in and going through every setting you have. So do you have Google or Alexa in your home? No, and I never will. <laughs> I was like, would you hire an assistant to sit in your kitchen all day long and listen to you bicker with your spouse or your kids or whoever? And right, would you just have them sit there while you yell out, I gotta go to the washroom? Like I am like I'm I announce everything in my house. <laughs> would you want them? And so no, they are always listening. Always, always, always. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I've got obviously a couple of Googles in the house that I just take for granted. I forget they're there. And honestly, I, I should probably just get rid of them because the only, only thing I use them for is to say, you know, hey, play, play my playlist. When I could do that through a regular speaker, I don't, I don't really need to have that device listening all the time. It's a convenience. Like I always like to separate tech as a tool from tech as a toy. Like, Tech as a tool is amazing. Like if you were in a wheelchair and you could just call out to have the microwave turn on and your coffee maker go and your TV turn on, amazing. But for able-bodied people who can get up and actually turn the thing on, it's a toy, right? And so we kind of have to differentiate. Like for my kids even, I'm like, you guys have an hour of toy time, like brainless watching. One of my kids loves those snap videos, like brainless time, right? And but... Um, one of my kids draws on a digital tablet and that's creating, right? That's, that's tech as a tool. And so I differentiate between that. And I feel like as adults, we don't do that enough, but we need to kind of say, Hey, you know what? I got to work on my laptop all day, or I need to check a message or something on my device. That's tech as a tool. That's not a bad thing. It's just how much are we using tech as a toy? Because again, there's a cost, there's a cost to all of this stuff. And so we have to make sure it's of good value. Do you have any concerns about, you know, the, the growing area of artificial intelligence? So the big issue with AI, again, is that it's, it's self-learning and it's based on certain inputs. Um, there was a very famous one in the United States that was supposed to determine whether or not someone um, should get a court, like when once they were in court, whether or not they should go to jail or not based on the likelihood of them recurring the the criminal act or based on the likelihood of them um, not committing a criminal act again. The point was that it, it ended up being racially biased, even though the people who were being arrested, so you would get a white person being arrested and let out and a black person being arrested and put in jail for a crime that was far, far less than the white person. Um, but people were relying on this artificial intelligence to make the decisions for them. And the reason why is because whoever input the original data used racially biased data. And so that's the problem we have, especially as women. Like we live in a super technology biased world where it's a stereotype, but many of these tech companies are run by young men. So when they're inputting data, um, there's tons of great examples of, of um, women run apps like like things like when am I going to get my period next there are all sorts of things targeted at women but because they were developed by men they don't consider things um there was one famous one actually for periods where it would be like uh do you want to get pregnant and you would say yes or no 
And then if you said yes, it'd be like, yay, you're pregnant. If you said no, it'd be like, yay, you didn't get pregnant. But there was a woman who tried to use it when she'd been raped. And the language and the feeling around it with this yay was like, it was horrible. And it didn't make sense because it was algorithmically biased to one kind of person. Right. So artificial intelligence can be very useful, can make great decisions, can help us a lot. But the information coming into the system has to be high quality or else none of it works. Okay. Well, I, I, I think what I'll probably do today now is go and plug my Googles. <laughs> Log into my phone, make sure all my location's off. Um, you know, it, it, and it's funny because you just, I download apps all the time. Like, for example, um, Strava is a fitness app and I like to see you know where I went biking or where I went running so the GPS is running on on that all the time um, but you know thinking about it I don't know how worth it it is for me to know that right. you know if it means that I'm giving up my privacy you can on an app by app basis say that I only want it to be using my location when I'm using the app however people at Strava do know where you live right because you pre leaving and coming back to the same location. Right. I'm not necessarily worried about somebody from Strava head office coming to the door and asking me why I didn't run, but <laughs> if somebody hacks Strava, then they yeah. do have my address. And yeah. I think, you know, we all live under this illusion, you know, despite the fact that we hear about hacking every single day, I think we're all just kind of either we just are willfully ignoring that or we just think it's no big deal. I think we have become complacent because it's like another day, another breach. Oh, right. Life Labs, whatever. Oh, Equifax, whatever. Yeah, that's that's what it feels like. And I guess, because I feel like maybe we think, you know, the, you know, the horse is out of the barn, so to speak, and, and uh, you just, you can't bring it back in now. Our information's out there. So we just hope for the best, right? But what you've said about where our kids are concerned is, is you know, that is concerning. You know, I'm, my, my oldest is, is coming up on her 18th birthday, and so those, credit cards and all that stuff is going to be available to her. It will be interesting to see if, you know, what happens. Yeah. Because we don't know where her dad has been. We have no idea. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. I, it's, it's, yeah, as a parent, that's a concern, right? You, you always want to know where your kids are, but it's actually where, where's your kid's data been as well that you have to keep. And what apps have they used and how are they connected? I always, when I tell kids, kids are like, I'm not on Facebook. I'm like, are you on Insta? They're like, yeah, but it's not Facebook. I'm like, it is Facebook. Yeah. It's owned by Facebook, right? And WhatsApp. So I always, people, there's, there's some cultures too, like in South America, WhatsApp is very much used for business and it's not a safe site and they're using confidential business documentation and sending it. So if you are running your business from home and you're looking for safe ways to send documents, any of these social media sites are not the way. You okay. be so we're, we're conducting, so last question, we're conducting this interview over Zoom, yes. uh, which exploded in popularity, uh, you know, obviously when COVID hit, everybody was on Zoom. What are our concerns about Zoom? Um, if you're in a private Zoom, if you're in a classroom setting even, if people are letting you in, there's now a waiting room by default, right? If people are letting you into the waiting room um, and you have to have access uh, it's not, it, the product itself is fine. We're not really worried about that. Where the issues come in from Zoom where it, are in public links. Uh, especially, let's say you're hosting, oh, God forbid, a funeral or even a wedding, right? If you just send out a link and say, everybody wants to come to my concert, come to my concert, people are joining. They've got their full name on the screen. So you're giving away your name. You're giving away your likeness, like your 
image. You are potentially giving away private information in the background if you haven't curated what's behind you in your scene. Um, and with religious gatherings, people are also giving away their religion. So what was happening is phishing attempts that where people come after you with a fake email with that you click on or whatever it is, they were leveraging that to hit soft spots. So if they knew you had attended, let's say an Anglican service, well then they would say, we know that you're Anglican and we're the Anglican people who care about people affected by COVID. And so, Hey, we're, we're doing this campaign. And so they've hit you in a spot where you feel like you know them, or they'll put the church name that you attended on there. Um, or we see you attended so-and-so's wedding. I'm their friend here. Click on this link to see some of the, so the fishing, the ability to have something personal about you so that when I contact you, you let your guard down and you assume I know you, that's the problem with zoom. People are giving away too much private information in public. Um, so from a privacy perspective, if you're in small group meetings, it's, it's still a useful tool where privacy professionals have taken issue was that zoom knew about some of their privacy problems a year before COVID hit and didn't fix them. So that was the like, Hey, we've been advocating for you to get this done for years. You dragged your feet on it and now we're pissed. So that's why at the beginning of this, people were like, nah, zoom should have fixed that. But as, again, as a tool for business, it's still a good tool. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today. This was uh, enlightening. <laughs> a, little bit, a little bit creepy. On a scale of one to 10, the fear is now. <laughs> uh, so my, yeah, I think my fear has gone from a one to maybe I'm sitting around a seven right now. So, uh, which is a good thing. It's a good thing. So thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.